You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. We can drink all the green smoothies we want, but if our body is tense and rigid and we're and we're stressed, then it's not going to work. It's not going to get into our gut and heal ourselves. That was Tara Styles. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, Marnie on the Move listeners. Welcome and welcome back. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. If this is your first time listening, I am a wellness-minded entrepreneur, endurance athlete, and yogi. I am the founder of brand strategy and communications company, The Salop Group, and content development and production company, Fit Plus Love. And yes, we are producing podcasts. Head over to our website to see all the cool shows we're working on. Now, I am super excited to connect you with today's guest, Tara Stiles. She is a global yoga movement and wellness expert, author, and founder of Strala Yoga. Before we dive into our conversation with Tara, shout out to our sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Now, back to our guest. Tara Stiles brings a revolutionary approach to being, moving, and healing to inspire millions around the world with her relatable perspective to yoga, meditation, exercise, awareness, nutrition, and everyday well-being. Through her many books, including the upcoming Clean Mind, Clean Body, and both in-person and online classes, Tara offers an important reset button, providing tools, guidance, and immersive experiences in mental and physical self-care to transform daily routines and habits and ease into our wellness, where we can truly feel and be our best selves. The New York Times called her a yoga rebel, which I love so much. I feel like she's a kindred spirit. Her work has been used in case studies by Harvard University, She is a sought-after speaker on topics of entrepreneurship, health, and well-being. When Tara and her husband, Mike, launched Strala, they were incredibly forward-thinking in their approach to teaching and yoga, combining the movement and healing wisdom of Tai Chi with the form vocabularies of yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, and traditional Chinese and Japanese medicine. On today's episode, I sync up with Tara about her journey into yoga, wellness, writing, and entrepreneurship, the inspiration behind Strala Yoga and her new book, Clean Mind, Clean Body. And of course, Tara shares her personal go-to wellness rituals and routines. 
Head over to StralaYoga.com to find out about live and on-demand online yoga and Tai Chi classes, workshops, and retreats. Head over to TaraStyles.com slash books to pre-order her new book, Clean Mind, Clean Body. It's a life-changing 28-day detox for body and mind. Before we get started, a few announcements. Sign up for my virtual workshop on building healthy rituals and physical routines aka wellness and workouts into your life with the alchemist kitchen this sunday november 22nd from 12 to 1 o'clock p.m there's a link in the show notes so let's start planning for 2021 also leave us a review on apple share this podcast with your friends on social and sign up for our newsletter now on to my conversation with tara with strala yoga you created a very unique type of yoga class that combines the movement and healing wisdom of Tai Chi with the form vocabularies of yoga and traditional Chinese and Japanese medicine. What was the inspiration behind Strala Yoga when you launched back in 2008? Gosh, I guess first, I think like so many people starting something, I wasn't thinking of I'm going to launch something, you know, and have it all thought out and have it be this unique thing. I grew up doing yoga. I got kind of lucky. I got introduced to yoga in a dance program that I was in. I thought I would head in that direction. And moving to New York obviously is a beautiful place to get interested in all kinds of nooks and crannies of all this stuff. So I was learning about East Asian arts and and yoga and healing and all of these things kind of on the side. My friend group back then would not go to yoga with me because it was still kind of you know, late 90s, early 2000s, and they were nervous or they felt intimidated. There wasn't the kind of easy version of the yoga studio where you just go in and somebody hands you a towel and a smile. It was much more, I guess, yes. a little bit scary back then. <laughs> Very. <laughs> you that know, was you when I started of... practicing. Yeah. I mean, well, before yeah. that, but it was definitely a very different kind of yoga than we have today. Yeah. It felt almost like you had to not be invited to go, but you had to sort of kind of go and 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 it wasn't it wasn't like a going to a store kind of a thing so it definitely felt kind of intimidated for most of my friends I feel like you did have to kind of be invited certain studios like you weren't allowed to practice unless you committed to like it was like three to five days a week or I'm all for whatever you tell me to do at your studio I'm happy to learn and you know I think that's my dance background like give it to me you know kind of a thing but yeah my friends were like I'm not doing that or I don't identify with that. And meanwhile, you know, I'm seeing them, you know, stressed and exhausted and all of the usual problems that we get over time in life. And I'm thinking, man, yoga is amazing, but you have to, like you said, be invited in this way. And, you know, I could feel it's got to change at some point, but why isn't it changing? It's not like yoga's this new thing. It's this very old thing. Even in America, even in New York, it was, you know, there was the institutions and the buildings that were just bought by donors decades ago and it wasn't changing. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I can offer a yoga class where I can tell people it's okay to be themselves while they learn this really great thing that's going to help them feel better. So I knew what I was doing was very different philosophically and looks wise, it was less I guess, rigid in this in this kind of energetical way. It was more like, hey, come on in. It's all right. You know, you can be yourself. Right. <laughs> I think that was the general attitude. That was, yeah, back in 2008. But the more I used that as a laboratory and yoga teacher friends of mine would come and they would say, oh, I, I never thought that you could just talk to people before class. Right. Because that was sort of this unspoken rule that other teachers have passed down through styles where it's more stoic or you come in at the last moment and it's almost like church, like the people right. would stand up and... I, I just felt like, girl, I was 
20 years old and I was learning yoga and there was barely a yoga teacher training. I did whatever was on the flyer, you know what I mean? Like in the beginning, but it wasn't even like that was a thing either. Right. I just assumed someone bopped you on the head with a peacock feather at some point and said, now you go take it, take your turn teaching kind of like the dance community was. Right. So, you know, I just, yeah, I just started kind of informally not trying to present myself as some teacher in this way. I even called myself, I said, I don't want to call myself a teacher. That word to me just sounds unlike what I'm trying to share with people. So Mike, my husband, boyfriend at the time is a mountaineer and he was talking to me about having a guide. And when you go up a mountain, you have a guide and and they kind of show you how to do it, but you're still doing it yourself. And I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense for how I want to call myself. So I just, somebody would ask, oh, you're a yoga teacher. I'm like, no, 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 no. I can take you through a yoga experience that will help you connect to yourself, but it has a much different kind of transfer of energy. It's like the energy is going to transfer from you to you (laughs) instead of from me to you. So I guess that was my big difference in a way. Yeah, I mean, I remember when you when you started and launched Strala, and it really was a very pioneering concept because of exactly what you just said. Like there was this like very traditional sort of set in stone way that people practiced and you kind of made it a lot more approachable, a lot more fun. And there was still a lot of that spirituality that comes with yoga naturally, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's cool about kind of not telling people how to feel about their spirituality is they feel it anyway, right? but without the sort of imposition of how I would want you to feel or how another teacher would want you to feel or think. And I think that's where a lot of the problems the yoga community and every community has seen with control and abuse and all these things. It's like, as soon as you give away your power to, if you have one bad teacher, whatever, you know, that has bad intentions, people can follow them off a ledge and not really have that self-awareness. So I grew up kind of thinking, well, it's important to have common sense, but also learn something interesting, but you don't have to jump off a bridge if somebody is telling you to do that. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Right, right, right. Strala Yoga started in New York City in Soho, and you've expanded Mm -hmm. your teaching and your program around the world through partnerships with lifestyle brands, studios, teacher training, on-demand classes, and now you're doing live classes. How did all of this come together and evolve and why? Well, I guess, you know, that same mission of it still feels the same to me. I just want, you know, essentially my friends to do yoga and I want everybody to do yoga in a way that feels good for them. I remember that was my first kind of feeling when I when I when I took my first yoga class in dance conservatory was this is amazing. And then my second thought was why doesn't everybody do this? <laughs> you know, like right. this can help with so many of, of our own problems. I mean, not going to cure everything, but you feel better and then you do better. And, you know, I just remember walking around wondering why the heck isn't this kind of normalized and everywhere and talked about in conversations and over dinner and all these kinds of things. And then I learned, you know, you can fall into these dogma and these traps and things. So, you know, as soon as I removed myself from teaching the history of yoga or kind of gets watered down into a lot of my yoga teacher friends would read a Rumi poem before a class or feel very beholden to whatever their teacher's format was. And everybody was sort of, at least how I saw it, was being really careful not to do anything that they might have felt themselves, but right. also just respect. They would call it respect, but it almost seems like fear in a way of, I have to do it how my my teacher did it, even though they're kind of inventing something. 
that feels natural to them. Right. So I guess the more I, you know, it started to work, people would feel better. And I said, okay, this is great. We can do another class tomorrow. Right. (laughs) I think that can't just plan, oh, I'm going to do a partnership with a lifestyle brand and write books and have studios. It's sort of like, it started working and then yoga teacher friends of mine would come and and they would say, oh, you know, I started touching people like that in class instead of pushing their body into a position and it worked. They actually got further in the stretch and they feel better and they're not injured. So it really much more became to lean into my dance background, more of a laboratory of discovering what the heck we were doing here. Right. And Mike has this whole background in Tai Chi and he would explain to me all of the things that I was talking about and thinking about with yoga you know, moving with nature, moving in line with yourself, you know, kind of always being in alignment instead of doing the pose and then kind of in a stressful way, fixing yourself, right? kind of in that neurotic way that we all get like, oh, I just got to get it right. You're like, you just have to do this twist a little bit more. <laughs> right. Which seems so terrible and yeah. self-destructive, but also like that inner drive of, I just want to be a good person and I want to do this correctly because I want, I want it to work. And so it just seems so charged and convoluted. And the more I would learn about Tai Chi through him, And the more I would learn about a friend of ours, uh, now a friend of ours, uh, back then, you know, somebody came for a class, Sam Berlin, and we have all these crossovers within my dance background. And he led a shiatsu school in New York for a long time. And his views of shiatsu were the same as how I would like to talk about yoga. And he said, well, in shiatsu, you have a lot of dogmatic people that say, I'm going to heal you. He said, but that doesn't work. It just tries to control people and it doesn't actually help them be healed. So I was like, well, that's really interesting because that's how I like to think about touching people. I like to contact people physically with touch, but it's more that energy is still happening when you're walking across the room to them. If I, if I choose to not show up until the class starts and act like I'm really important, then that sets a different energetic tone and it helps the person feel a certain way. But if I'm a little bit disarmed and friendly and open and conscious with how I'm speaking and how I'm moving, then that may help the healing process of not just them, but me and the whole kind of soup of it. Right. Is that the influence of Tai Chi or Shiatsu? Yeah, all, all of it, really. I okay. mean, shiatsu specifically with like the touch and the contact and kind of creating environment. So I had, you know, just so many conversations with Sam about how contact is so much more than the physical touch. And yeah, you can do things with meridians, but you're not manipulating the person. Energy goes where it wants to go. And I'm like, yes, that's what I've thought all along with life. And that makes so much sense. But you can learn any of these things in a rigid way and they don't really work and you feel like they should work and you stress out for however long you stay in that system or you can learn them in a way where you're led by a wonderful teacher who's guiding you but you also feel empowered yourself and to me I I felt like this is so unique but it also felt like this is how I feel like yoga can be all along so maybe I'm kind of putting it together in a way but I would also find teachers when I was growing up that were already doing this kind of thing, but not making a big deal out of it in a way. But so I felt kind of excited to share it. And the more it started to work, the more opportunities just came our way to continue to share it. So that's really how more partnerships and studios and all of those things happen, not by a plan of five years, this is going to happen. It was <laughs> more like, well, like. it's working. <laughs> Let's just keep going. It was organic. We can work. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can say that for sure. Your business has also grown through partnerships over the years. You've partnered with so many great brands. Who are some of the companies you've worked with 
Reebok was, that was a big deal. And so they came to me and there was no yoga clothes at this time. This was, I think, 2010. And there was Lululemon, you know, and that was kind of right. everywhere. But I also felt like Lululemon was the, the rigid yoga of the commercial land because it's like, oh, now you have to suck in your butt and suck in your waist. And yes. it just felt like, and it's expensive. And why? <laughs> you yes. know? Yeah, it was. I, mean, I, get, it. I <laughs> yeah. get it if it's expensive, if, you know, you're taking to account, account, you know, better trade practices, all the things that we're all learning about now. But when Reebok came to me, I said, all right, this will be cool for me. And yeah, a lot of exposure and all of that kind of stuff. But I thought, you know, if we can do one thing, you know, I was starting to learn about sustainability. I said, I want to educate myself. If you guys want to do that together, that would be cool. And I also think, you know, just as somebody who thinks a good story for their brand, you know, having a big brand that doesn't do a lot of sustainability practices, that would be a good idea. So we started to do like dry dye and things like that. And um, I would just, the more I would read, I would just send them articles and things right. like that. But you know, I thought most importantly, I'd like to create, I think any person can, wants to know what they want to wear, you know, so that's the easy part. Right. But, you know, I wanted to wear clothes that looked good, but also felt good. So like comfortable fabrics and soft, cozy sweatpants and T-shirts. And the first shirt that we made was this tank top and it said, who made the rules? And it was not anything that would make a splash now. But I think for back then, people were like, whoa, that's so <laughs> controversial. <laughs> I'm just like sort of mentally taking myself back to 2010 and like what yeah. I was doing. Yeah, I was practicing yoga. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, so we made like super and there's this cool brand, Triple Five Soul that I loved. And I just brought them their cool like sweatpants. And I said, can we make these but more breathable for yoga so women don't feel like you have to show your whole butt when you walk down the street unless you want to. And then, hey, more power to you. But right. I definitely just wanted to kind of shuffle along from my apartment to the studio without feeling like I didn't have any clothes on. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, also before you launched Strala and started this business, you were a model, you were practicing and you were studying dance and you were a dancer. So like your whole existence was like, you probably were always traveling and on the move and needed comfortable clothes and things to wear. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty familiar for most people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I never I haven't had a corporate job ever, so I never had to wear the whole slacks and things like that too much unless I was playing an office person in some sort of music video or something. But, <laughs> <An> <laughs> office but yeah, person. So, you know, so like pretty yeah. lucky in that regard. But, but yeah, I was always going to the Salvation Army and, and, and buying clothes in the little boys section and wearing my brother's t-shirts and sweatpants and right. hospital pants and stuff like that. I mean, I, I remember some of the studios that I was going to, my yoga teacher friends would be like, you know, it's kind of strange you're wearing that old cut up t-shirt. And it was almost part of that. You should be wearing yeah. something more form fitting. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true, but I don't want to disrespect the space. But I just, you know, I was always just thinking about these things. I didn't mean to be rude, but I also just didn't understand why. When you started your business, so it was you and Mike, right? Yeah. So the yeah. two of you kind of came together, launched Strala in New York City. Was he more of the on the business side or did you guys do it together or No, he you know, he grew up doing all of this amazing movement and Tai Chi stuff that he kind of put in a drawer and really never talked about. But when I, when I met him, you know, how he moved his body and he was kind of like a lot of our friends from kind of when we were talking earlier back in the early, our early yoga days in New York mm -hmm. would just know him as like 
the guy who goes to yoga class who can do all the poses. I'm like, oh, he's, he's like that one guy. So, yes. but he had startups and things like this that he was doing, but he never really liked them. And he never kind of put any energy or effort into them. But, you know, they always kind of squeaked by and he was more of a lifestyle guy. Like he'd like to make enough money to pay his rent for the year and then take off and go climb a mountain and then come back. And I'm like, but what are your goals, dude? <laughs> you know? <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work for me, but you're really awesome. But you're hard to, you're like the river, you just kind of go. So I feel like with Strala and doing something together, at first it was just something on the side he would do. And I don't know if he thought it would turn into something we did with our whole lives, to be honest, but just started working. And I think he started to enjoy it a lot more and enjoy being able to talk to people really before and after class. I mean, I remember we learned to knit one year just for fun and we would just sit in the studio and knit and people would just come in. And I mean, we all had a lot more time back then. Uh And we would just talk to people for hours and we made so many of our dear friends now that are in the wellness business now because there was none then people just interested in these things and I think for him that was such a big part of it and it still is for all of us I mean we really think of what we do not as I mean it is a business essentially but it's it's also just people that we like to talk with and communicate with and learn from and really is it's people more than anything yeah it's a community I mean the whole wellness industry where did you start yoga like how did your yoga journey begin yeah well I guess the the dance studio was really the first time I I took this class just a simple kind of half a class and when I came to New York I was oh actually my ballet teacher gave me autobiography of a yogi the book oh really that's such a good book I was like (laughs) yeah I was like this what the heck but it's a little bit weird I mean there's some stories in there that I would read and then like I've had friends like I'm like you have to read this story and they're like do you believe this I'm like, I do, I do, I really do. (laughs) And then I stopped telling my friends about it. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, you just have your own secrets for sure. Yeah, Yeah, so I was, I guess, 17, 18. And Mm -hmm. then I, you know, I read the whole thing because I'm a very diligent student. And then on the back, there was the ashram in San Diego. And I'm like, oh, I have to go there. (laughs) So I went there, literally just walked around and looked at the giant fish and people kind of wandering around. And I'm like, oh, this is yoga. That's interesting. And then when I moved to New York, sort of like back in the day where there was flyers and things like that. So I would go into all of the strange places and hear all of these talks, a lot of the Kirtan, a lot of the Shivananda and Kundalini and that kind of stuff. And then actually I did an ad for Crunch Gym as a model and just sitting there on the set being like, hey, you guys should give me a membership just for fun. And they said, fine. (sighs) So I went to the gym and they had yoga on the schedule and I was like, no way that's in a gym that's so cool so I would go and there were so many awesome really nice teachers and that was the first time that a yoga teacher said hi to me and talked to me and I thought that was like incredible where they were kind of breaking that fourth wall you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so Amy Impolity was one of the teachers that I took classes with and that she was really unique she turned the lights on because a lot of the teachers would turn the lights down it would be kind of this low light kind of moody thing and she'd right. flip the lights on and I'm like whoa I'm blind <laughs> what's going on I'm like this is crazy and you know yeah. but she was very serious about and she was the first person I met who like that was her job and like it was very obvious that was her job and she had this little like blackberry where she would have her appointments on and she was talking to people before and after class about seeing private clients and she had this scooter she would go uptown and do things and I was like wow this is a job this is amazing (laughs) so she had a flyer one day literally like a paper flyer and she was offering a teacher training program So, of course, I did that because it was right in front of me. And, yeah, that was the first kind of 
training that I did because I had no idea that there was even such a thing. What are you doing with Strala Yoga and your classes at the moment? In New York, when the pandemic hit, we, we've had online classes and, you know, supplemental trainings for, for like several years, I guess. But, you know, when the pandemic hit, we were all kind of, our community was pretty worried about what was going to happen. But everybody was really cool with each other. And a lot of people are pretty tech savvy already in our community. So they were figuring out how to do the Zooms and all of that. And I just did like, an Instagram. Instagram live every day for I guess like a hundred and something days just to give myself something to do to be honest <laughs> I was like I need to do yoga and I need to see people so I just did that and it was really really nice and we did take the time to to finally figure out our app and the live streaming that we just have been putting aside for so many years because we love going around and seeing everybody and as People keep showing up for things. The community grows. You know, we spend a lot of time in Europe and in Asia and traveling. And so that's a lot of our year normally. And so that all went away for a while. So we did have some time to, to get that together finally. So that's a way to express it now. So you're doing them on Zoom as well, your live classes, or you're doing them on Instagram Live still? Not on Zoom. So I do some on okay. Instagram Live just for fun, but we have our Strala app now. So okay. we have every day, which is cool because we have this library of videos from, you know, the last Last 10 years so all right. this stuff but I feel like I have to be every day with people so we have we just do live class every day and people are like really that's so crazy I'm like but I need it <laughs> you know I want to see yeah I talk, like I talked to some of my friends who are studio owners or who and it's not just it's about the community but it's also like there's yeah. so much being a teacher or being an owner in this business in the fitness and yoga world that like the reason you do it is because you want to be with people yeah <laughs> yeah yes it's about being with the people that you care about that are in your community but it's also about you and how you are responding to what's happening and you get so much from the community as much as you give oh yeah definitely that makes a lot of sense I mean the whole laboratory feeling of sharing what's happening right now how you know how we're all feeling what's going on because it's it's so different I mean we're not in the banana baking phase anymore. That's over. I was watching this thing somewhere like on Instagram or something. And it's like, if you, oh, it was an eBay. It was Saturday Night Live and it was the eBay commercial. Have you seen this? No. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. I think I was watching it from this weekend and there was an eBay commercial. And it's like people were putting things on eBay that they bought like in March for because wow. they had all oh, these big plans funny. of things they wanted to do and learn. <laughs> like guitar and and, yeah, totally. And they're like putting it back on eBay. Like, because if you haven't oh done it by God. now, you're not going to do it. <laughs> That's so true. That's it's so funny. true. But back to you. You have a new book coming out, Clean Mind, Clean Body. And this isn't your first book. You have seven. Yeah, I just, you know, I got a lot of energy. <laughs> I just got to do something with it. You know? Yeah, yeah, seven, yeah. So in addition yeah. to Strala Yoga, you've written seven books, many of them best-selling books. And what inspired you to start writing? Was this also a very organic journey for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I always, I think a lot of people love to read and write. I don't think that that's super unique, but just researching yoga myself and finding all of the beautiful but strange, like ancient texts and then really nothing else. It seems like there's, except now, of course, but, you know, I remember when I first wanted to write a yoga book, kind of just like talking to anybody that would accept me about it. And uh, people are like, no, no, that's so boring. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, <laughs> but, you know, it's time to have more conversations about this. So yeah, writing, I started actually writing for Huffington Post, a woman, Verena Von Fetten. She used to work for Huffington Post's health section and she would come to class and, and just, she asked me if I would start to blog and I'm like, well, I don't really know 
quite how to do yoga in a political way, but yeah, we, maybe we can make some jokes. It was like Sarah Palin and things like that and like yoga to make your brain work better. And I was like, okay, we can kind of have some fun, but can we still do five moves to make you feel better or making it more fun, but also just introducing people to the practice, all this stuff that's so boring now was like not even existing then. Right. So she really brought me in and a lot of those blog posts went viral. And so that opened up more opportunities for publishers to, to reach out. So I got to do something with which was cool. It kind of takes a lot of energy until the momentum happens, I guess. So like how long yeah, does you know. to write a book? It takes like three, <laughs> it takes like two years to write it and a year to, to like sell it. And then it comes yeah, out. The whole thing. Yeah, the yeah, process is long. Yeah, It's a passion. Yeah. It's a, it's a lifelong passion that you must have. <laughs> You're on a good track. Well, I, I yeah, I, I do enjoy it. And I think it, you know, teaching yoga is wonderful, but I, yeah. I also realize the limitations. I mean, the reason I didn't, I think about that I didn't continue dancing was I always had this a little bit of an existential problem with, well, the only people that can see me are the people that can come into the theater and afford a ticket and all of this. And I think that's changing now with digital in a really kind of cool way. But but also with yoga, I mean, you can reach people through a yoga video, but still more people, I, I would hope, read and can pick up a blog post or a book and kind of get into it that way and maybe in a different way than they see even in the class that's approachable, you're still sitting on the floor and that's strange for a lot of, still a lot of people. That's kind of another way in and another way to talk about it too. I think that can kind of, can all express our feelings in different ways, but I think it's just a, another another way in to help people connect with themselves. I love books and they're so, they're also <laughs> like so accessible. You can process the information at your own pace and then, you know, you can take it to the next level, take a class or or do whatever it is that you're supposed to do in the book. I mean, depending on what it is, right? Yeah, I think it helps so much with people's just ability to take time and think about things and process and come back to. And not that every book with yoga that I've done is a how-to book, but a lot of it is kind of different ways to think about things while you're doing the things. So then you can go back to a practice or whatever you're doing in your life and say, oh, okay, I can... I can connect with myself now. So it's just like any book, You hopefully it affects your life if it's a great book. Before we talk about your new book, I would love to dial into your book, Yoga Cures. Tell me a little bit about Yoga Cures because it sounds like such a cool book. Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, one of the first. And really the idea with that was so many people, at least back then, I think still now think yoga is this 90 minute experience or you have if you don't do this then you have to do this or you know beginner and advanced and all these things and of course you know you spend time in a studio and hopefully you have a great teacher that you can talk with about whatever is going on with you and if you have back pain they'll probably get you down on the ground and show you three or four things that they have experience with that's helped their friends and themselves and you know there are a few things to get you going with each kind of problem. And of course it's oversimplifying, but you really can just get down to the ground and take care of yourself and in five minutes and 10 minutes, you know, in a very specific way to nourish the need that you have at that moment. And I've always felt that that's what yoga is anyway. Even if you're doing that 90 minute class with 30 other people in the room, everybody still feels differently and you're going to get something different out of it. So, you know, why not make it a little bit more specific where people can, you know, look up, you know, I have a headache. Oh, I could do that. I could, you know, it's my, it may not cure it, but it may also help me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think yeah. that's an amazing book. I feel like my listeners would love that, especially my athlete listeners that, cool. <laughs> you know, I spent like eight hours on my bike this weekend riding oh up 9W and 
laid down on my back. I like did some like twists mm. and I'm like, I could do Varasana, but I might not want to do that right as the first mm-hmm. asana I'm going to do right now, you know? And I was like yeah. looking at yoga as a way to kind of, I'm like, maybe I should do some backbending because I was like, my back was, I was so forward, you know, now I need yeah. to open my chest and like, I don't know, I did some pigeon and I was thinking about, you know, that wouldn't normally be like what like you do in Ashtanga, right? Like, I mean, I'm do- using yoga in all different ways, so. Yeah, I think it's, it's really easy just to broaden it beyond, you know, whether somebody does Ashtanga or something else. Yeah. Like a lot of times classes are, you know, you end up doing the same routine because it yeah. works for you over and over. So thinking about, I mean, I like to think about yoga as more of a vocabulary, like yes. here's the alphabet and like, what do I need? <laughs> you know? I, I like that. I feel like that too a lot about yoga is like, this is an alphabet. This is the order. You mix it up to see how mm-hmm. it works for you. And there's no way that you have to do it. It's just like what you prefer. Yeah. Yeah, so, definitely. So I'm excited about your new book, Clean Mind, Clean Body. So tell me like a little bit about this and when it's coming out. Yeah. So I, I think the main thing I'm excited about this is looking at how we all are right now, especially at this stage of wellness, like being such a big thing, a big business, a big kind of another fear tactic, I feel like so often. And just seeing the trends of rigidity kind of sneak in again, you know, whether it's coming from the outside, but also from the inside. And we get so we're humans. So we want to get so do our wellness so perfect. And then we end up stressing ourselves out in the process. (laughs) So I think, you know, so much of it is about simplifying and slowing down and using all of the ancient wisdoms, whether it's yoga or meditation, getting into shiatsu a bit more and Ayurveda and home cleaning, not feng shui, but not in this like, I have to go to a a university or a course or really go down this rabbit hole, but here's how to do it in a way that respects your life, your family's culture, your values, your religion, your spirituality, but also helps your life. So I think there's been so many kind of East Asian hacks along the way, like do this in, in two seconds and you've got your feng shui or, you know, almost now we finally talk about like cultural appropriation and we don't have to, this was something I completely learned from researching. You don't have to learn how to cook Indian food to do Ayurveda properly. I thought, oh my gosh, what a liberating moment. But you can respect your own grandmother's vegetarian soup recipe and put an Ayurvedic spin on it and learn about the culture, but also respect your own. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is such a healing way to think about all of these beautiful practices from another land and without losing yourself in the process and right. you know just you know, learning everything I've learned about about healing in my own process that's essential you know if we forget ourselves and just do the recipe of the thing you know we can drink all the green smoothies we want but if our body is tense and rigid and we're and we're stressed then it's not going to work it's not going to get into our gut and heal ourselves so really that's kind of the overarching message of slowing down and allowing yourself to to respect yourself in the process of learning these things and then having them be in your life is something that's normal and that's there and and not being too panicked about the whole thing yeah I mean I think when you try to to do that when you try to like fit something in that doesn't fit it doesn't stick you know so you can't you have to make it like yes like eating healthy or starting an Ayurvedic diet or bringing those things into your world like you need to really kind of like bring them in a way that works that for you as an individual otherwise they won't work at all right right yeah 
Yeah, I think it's yeah. I, I learned so much. Do you <laughs> offer recipes in your book? Is it it's a twenty eight day detox for your body and your mind? Yeah, there's there's recipes and the there's a mental, spiritual eating and moving and and there's lessons on Ayurveda, learnings on Ayurveda. An interview with my friend Jasmine Hemsley, who's more of a teacher of Ayurveda and and easy recipes. I mean, for me and I think for a lot of friends of mine, if it's if it's simple, if it still tastes good, it has to be delicious <laughs> and, yeah. and easy to make, and it's not going to be you know expensive or hard to find a bunch of ingredients. Then I'll probably do it. So that's those are my requirements for making a recipe and, and also sharing for sure. Yeah, that's great. And so now as someone who lives a life of yoga, spirituality and movement, what are some of the principles or core philosophies that you sort of look to from yoga that really help you for success in your business and your life with having a daughter who's three with acclimating to, to everything? Is there, are there a couple of like go to whether it's yoga sutras or philosophies or meditations that you have that are like, you know, helping power you through or advice you would give to a listener? Oh, I, I just feel so incredible to, to simply slow down and to connect with yourself. And, you know, I, I grew up like, I think a lot of us grew up thinking that that was the last thing that we needed to do. And, you know, now self-care is this big deal, but it's sort of romanticized with expensive face creams and bubble baths and this kind of a thing. And, you know, I think the best thing that I've learned from yoga and all of the East Asian stuff is it has to feel like you and taking care of yourself all the time can be a real thing. So I notice if I'm stressed, nothing around me is going to work and I don't need to necessarily shut the bathroom door, sit down on the ground and repeat a mantra. I can actually just soften my body while I'm hanging out with my daughter who's freaking out about nothing. (laughs) I can soften my body and roll around my hips a little bit and wiggle my arms and take a big deep breath. And then whether she's still freaking out, I feel differently about it. Or maybe that actually helps her not freak out and helps me not freak out in the process. So I think it's really shifted, you know, from being, for me, from all of these practices and spiritual practices being something I kind of go away in my own private room to do. And yeah, that still happens to, I need to do this all the time. Otherwise it's just a joke, sort of pretentious. And you're wearing a costume of this idea of yourself. So, you know, for us, it's like being a good person, you know, her and I have these little, our own little practices. We call them like $20 walks. We go outside and Brooklyn and bring $20. And I say, we can go to the deli and get whatever you want. But, you know, afterwards, if you want to give the money to the homeless guy on the corner, we can have a conversation or we can kind of do whatever we want with this money. So we have, you know, all of these opportunities to kind of change what's going to happen. Am I going to walk outside and just, you know, keep my blinders on? Or am I going to open myself up in a, in a better way to the world? And I've learned so much just from doing the second and had such a I feel like stronger experience in life where I feel better about whatever's happening. You also speaking of like, you know, doing things to help people and feel better and also give back. In a way, you also offer Strala classes to more than 30,000 schools around the United States and Canada with the Alliance for a Healthier Generation and the American Heart Association Initiative to combat childhood obesity. Is this all still happening? And when did you launch this? And this is so important for kids, especially right now. Like, are you still doing this? Yeah, um, both of those organizations, Alliance for Healthier Generation and Box, have 
super similar missions. And I'm just grateful that I found them and they're like happy to do stuff with me, to be honest, because I learned so much, but they have such good structures for reaching students in schools. It's they're both free programs all around the U.S. and Canada as well. And, you know, I love coming in. We've offered yoga classes with teachers that are kind of in our network and also online videos that teachers can share. But they're, they're such smart organizations and, and they're, they're really fun to work with. And we've offered a lot of things through the pandemic as well to teachers to feel better. But I love going in and offering classes for, you know, whether it's the janitor or the principal or whoever, and it's about how to teach yoga to the kids in the classrooms. But really, we do that in the last tiny segment of the class and spend so much time helping the faculty and the the teachers just simply take care of themselves. And then, you know, if they feel better, they can show up for the students better. And just it feels so great to be able to go and, and, and share these practices with people that literally they don't have time. They're dedicating their entire life, you know, to a great cause and they they really need it. So we've done some neat kind of events during the the pandemic as well as other times and you know i just get so excited and grateful every time i see them because you know they're they're so caught up with so much love but also tension and if yeah. i can take some of that tension away that they hold on to because they're just trying to keep it together and it's understandable to show them that okay you can soften a little bit breathe a bit deeper and you'll still have all the energy you need, but you don't need to hold on to that tension. It's not serving you in that way. So yeah, it feels amazing to be able to have these beautiful structures that are so organized to just go in and you know do what I can do. That's really great. I feel like people need that more now, now more than ever. So yeah. I think it's like, it's the perfect time for anyone that's like, you know, needs yoga. I think everybody needs yoga. <laughs> yeah. In, in some way or another, whether it's a book or a practice. But, uh, well, this was really awesome, Tara. Thank you so much for, for taking the morning and the time to chat with me on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.